Please be seated. Thanks, team. Drove to church this morning and there was a fog on the road and it reminded me of driving in the fog or in the snowstorm. We've had that experience. And sometimes when you're, when you're in those experiences, you, you don't really know what you should do and so you find a, a set of lights and you follow those lights, right? And, and, and hopefully the person you're following is going the same place you are, right? You, you get behind them and, and you follow them because you, you really don't know where you're going and, and you're just hoping that, that they end up in the same place where, where you ultimately want to end up because sometimes you just can't see where you're going and then there's other experiences right when you arrive at at a a place where you're meeting someone you know and you've never been there before and you call them and you say hey i'm here and they say okay just where are you well i'm at the mall okay just just wait there we're gonna drive there and and then you can follow us home and so when you get there there you know you hug and then you get in your car and you follow them the experience is very different because you know with the second person, the person you call that you're meeting, that you, you know exactly where they're leading you to. They're leading you to their place. You can trust them. The first situation in that storm, you don't know where they're going. Matthew, in his gospel, written in the first century, writes us and says, let me show you how you can follow Jesus through the storms of temptation in your life. And that you can rely and, and, and trust that, that, that where he leads you will actually lead you to the place of victory. You can trust Jesus. Who are you following is the question we ask. And of course, as Matthew lays out a, a report on the life of Jesus, he says, you know, you can follow Jesus. You, you can count on him. You can rely on him because he is exceptional in many ways. And we just looked last week at his baptism. Here he is, the unique son of God. He's part of the Trinity. He's fully human, fully divine. He's beginning his ministry. And in chapter 4 of Matthew, something very interesting happens. If you have your Bibles, if not, listen. It's also on the screen here. Chapter 4, verse 1 of of Matthew's gospel. Matthew tells us, that says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You're like, wait a second. I mean, first of all, he's just been baptized. He's just like, this is my son with whom I'm, I'm well pleased. He's, he's, my, he's my beloved son. And now the Spirit is taking Jesus and leading him off into the wilderness. If you've seen pictures of the Judean wilderness, it's not a pretty place. It's brown. It's dry. It's arid. And with the wilderness is this idea of, of testing and dependency. What's going to happen here? How am I going to make it through this? But the Spirit leads them to the wilderness. The Spirit is the the taillights that that Jesus follows into this place of loneliness, of want, of hunger, and of human neediness. As a man, he will experience the same things we would all experience if we were to head into the wilderness. The challenges that he faces here in this temptation are challenges that we all face. Now, when I, when I say temptation, I know you're thinking like, you know, that, that 
little stash of chocolate in the, in the pantry, right? Temptation, you know, it's screaming at you, eat me, you know, and, or, you know, the temptation to, you know, to stay up late and watch, you know, Sports Center for the fourth time, you know, even though you've seen it already, you know, you want to just do that or watch that movie or, or temptation to, to maybe look at something you probably shouldn't be looking at or, or to play video games longer than you should be playing video games or, or temptation, you know, we, temptation to buy things online because you just love the feeling of, of press, you know, yes, purchase and, you know, it shows up in a box in your door and you're so, you know, we think of temptations on, on those levels right? But with this temptation of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 4, it gets a little deeper. It's those temptations that we all know exist in our souls that sometimes cause us the greatest challenges. And, and, And the devil, the enemy of God, shows up here at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry and seeks to just set him off the tracks of God's will. Just kind of push him out of the trajectory of doing what God had him there to do. If he could just sort of knock him off his trajectory, get him off his, off his course, and then, then he could de- derail the whole plan of God. Now, Satan is not om- omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He just knows that the Son of God has shown up on earth in his domain. And he's going to do everything to try to stop the Son of God from being effective because he doesn't know what Jesus is there to do. Satan doesn't know at this point. He has no idea except that suddenly the eternal Son of God is here in his midst and he's got he's to do something. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw him off course. James, the brother of Jesus, is clear to remind us that, you know, God does not tempt us. Says James writes, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. And then when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. If you are tempted, that is not a sin. That is what it means to be human. To be drawn to do things, to aspire to things, to trust in things that are outside of God's will. We all face that every day. But it's when we move on those desires that the temptation or the trial becomes sin. And Jesus, as a man, will be tempted like each and every one of us is tempted. But he's led by the Spirit, and there is the devil. God uses trials to make us better. Satan uses temptations to, to drag us down. And that's the difference. What, what, what is a, a trial in our life that God uses to refine our character, Satan uses to, 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 to derail our character. And the question is, will Jesus stand in his day of test and trial? It says in verse 2 that after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was famished. Uh, Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Elijah fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The, the ark was 40 days and 40 nights, you know, and until, you know, it hit, hit, hit the, you know, the, the mountain. I mean, this is a significant period of time of testing and, and of endurance. And, and here he is, he's starving, and now the trials come. The temptation appears. The enemy of God, Satan, again, who is not as powerful as God, but has dominion on this earth, is out there, and he's like, I gotta, I gotta get this up, get it, get under Jesus' skin here. And so he says to him, in verse three, the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, or perhaps it could be translated, since you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And of course, you know, when when you've been starving for for you know, sometimes hours or you know, days, <laughs> weeks. 
everything starts to look like it's edible. I, I don't know if you know if, if you understand that. I remember reading about Shackleton and him getting stuck down in the South Pole, and and as they're going along, you know, they'd find like a penguin, and we look at a penguin and think, oh, that's like a little stuffed toy, right? For them, it was like, oh, you know, KFC, you know, and they, like everything started to look good, you know. You find some, you know, sucker fish, and they're like, yay, fresh fish, you know, and we're like, oh, that's you know, there's something you throw away, but you know, everything starts to look really tasty. And the devil's right. He's like, you know, you're the son of God. You can turn these stones into bread. You're hungry. You deserve it. It's, it, you know, it's not a wrong thing. I mean, if, if you are the son of God, you can surely do this. And Jesus answers him and he says, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He quotes the book of Deuteronomy, the time period when the Israelites were in the wilderness being tested. He says, you know, just like the Israelites had to learn to depend on God's provision in their life, so I too am dependent on God's provision in my life. The temptation here is to do something apart from God's will. To kind of presume like, well, God's not looking after you, Jesus, so you better look after yourself. You felt that way. Come on, God, you're supposed to provide for me. It's not coming. So you're like, well, I've got to find my own way to provide for myself, I guess, because God's not going to come through. Come on, you know, the devil's here. Come on, Jesus. Since you're the son of God, you, mean, you should be looking after yourself. And, but the will of God for Jesus at that moment was for him to be fasting and to be dependent on God the Father's provision for him in that moment. And at that moment, the provision was, trust me. Count on me. Depend on me. You know, God brings you into times of want so that you learn to depend on him. Right? You're sitting there and you're thinking, the income has been low. It's coming time for church, and you're like, yeah, I know I should give, because that's what God's people do. They respond to him, his blessing in their life by giving, but I just don't have enough to give. And God's like, you don't have enough to give. Have I given enough for you? And, and you have to decide, am I going to give? Am I going to hold on? Am I going to try to cling to my own resources, or am I going to trust in God's provision? And, and here, here's, here's Jesus. He's like, yeah, those rocks look good. They could turn into bread. It would be great. But the reality is my time right now is to trust in God's provision for me, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every day the Israelites got up and they scraped the manna off the ground and they made, you know, manna bread, manna burgers, manna this, manna that, you know, manna souffle. I mean, you know, every day you couldn't store up any more than the day, but you just had to say, tomorrow I'm going to get up and God's going to provide. And he did. And Jesus is like, I can count on my father's provision. I don't need to create this at this moment to prove that I'm the son of God or because I'm the son of God. I don't deserve this. God has brought me here. He will take care of me in this situation. The first temptation. And then it says in verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. I mean, there we are up up on the pinnacle of the temple. We're not sure if people were watching or if it was just kind of some kind of vision. But the reality is, he's like, you know what? Here we are, you know, this, this is a, a significant place and you are a significant person. And look what the scripture says, Satan reminds him. He quotes scripture himself. He says, he will command his angels concerning you and with their hands they will lift you up so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus, let's prove that you're the son of God. Just jump off and as you're flying down, the angels will come and they'll grab you and then swoop you up. Woo, save you. It would be pretty cool to watch that, I think. But the reality is, it would be presumptuous. Presumptuous. 
for Jesus to prove his, his relationship with his father by forcing God to act on his behalf. I mean, God will prove Jesus is the Son of God and is powerful in many ways in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to see these pictures. But at this point, he's like, I cannot test God by doing this. You see, Jesus responds. Again, he quotes Scripture, and he says, once again, it's written, you are not to put the Lord your God to the test. You know, we can test God sometimes. There was a guy in college. Yeah. Well, there were several guys in college. And some of these guys would show up to college without money. And, and it would always irk some of us that didn't have, but, you know, they, they'd show up, but their churches knew that they were going, and they would, they would show up at college, and all of a sudden the money would follow them. And they'd, all their bills would be paid. And, and, I mean, I never had that experience, but other guys did, and it was, like, pretty neat and pretty amazing. But their local churches were committed to them. They know they were going. They prayed for them. They, they commissioned them. And then as they went, they kind of said, look, we've got to support the brother that's in college. And so all of a sudden the money would come in. Well, some guys heard these stories and said, hey, I can just show up to college, and the money will show up. So one guy did, and he stayed a whole semester. No money showed up. He came back for a second semester, and then they kind of brought him in. They're like, you have not paid your bills. For first semester, you have no money. For second semester, so we're sending you home. And so the guy, you know, got in his car, and he drove. Got loaded it up with no money. But he still had this faith that, yeah, God's going to provide. So he'd get to a gas station, and he'd gas up. This was before prepay, right? <laughs> he'd gas up the thing, and then he'd sit there, and he'd wait. And he'd wait. And he'd wait, and like, you know, these poor, you know, guys out in eastern Saskatchewan, you know, they're sitting there, there's this, you know, nerdy guy from, you know, Manitoba, you know, in a car, and, and you know, he, you know he's, he's just bloated up with gas, he's got no money, he's like, I'm just waiting for God to provide, and, you know, of course, you know, finally the guy's like, just go, if you ever get a job, you know, send some money, <laughs> here's the address, you know, and they kind of, this is how we did it, just presume that, you know, God's going to provide. And Jesus is like, I can't force my father to act. On my behalf. God acts when and, and, and how he pleases. But you see, the devil, Satan, just wants to get Jesus to, to push on his father, to, to presume upon his father, to, to force his father to act. And Jesus comes back to the word of God and just quotes it plainly and directly and overcomes the temptation. Verse 8, it says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their grandeur. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you throw yourself to the ground and worship me. We're not sure where he was. Perhaps Mount Hermon, and looking over all of, all of the, the land of Israel, and he's seen all these things, and he's like, look, I know that there's, the Father has a plan for you, and that plan you know, is not going to be an easy plan based on what the prophets said, but the reality is there's a shortcut you can have what you want without going to the cross. You can, just, you can just have it right now. Just bow down, throw yourself to the ground, worship me, and, and I'll give it all to you. It's all yours. The easy way. Have you ever tried the easy way? The shortcut? You know, we don't need to get married. Everyone else doesn't get married. I mean, why, why bother? Let, let's, let's just live together for a little while and, you know, see how it works out, and then we can get married, right? You know, I know I could just work and work and work and pay off my debt and save up money, but I hear there's a way to make money fast and quick. It's the easy way. The shortcut. If I just, you know, jump a few steps, then I can get ahead of everyone else. 
Jesus says to him, Go away from me, Satan, for it is written, You are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, it says. And in the scripture it says, And behold, literally, that's what the, the Greek says, And behold, the angels came and began ministering to his needs. We read through this and we think, okay, yeah, that's nice, great story. But you've got to understand that in the midst of this, Jesus is human. And he is feeling the, the, the challenge of each of these temptations. The, the temptation to do something apart from God's will. The temptation to be something apart from God's will. The temptation to have something apart from God's will. And, and they're real and they're deep and, and they, they affect every part of his being. And every time he answers with resource that we all have, the word of God. I mean, this is Jesus. He could have zapped Satan, you know. He could have called down an angelic horde to kind of surround him and bring him up in a whirlwind and, you know, thrust him into heaven. He had all sorts of resources at his disposal from his divine side, but from his human side, he simply responds with the same resource that each and every one in this room has, the Word of God. If you don't know it, then you're not armed. How many of us take this home and it sits on the shelf until the next Sunday? And then we wonder why we failed that week. Because the ammo was there, it just wasn't being put into the chamber and used when we faced our temptations. I mean, it's coming. Something is going to tempt you to to do something apart from God's will. Something is going to tempt you to be something apart from God's will, right? Like, like you know, I want to be cool, so I'm going to do that so I can fit in with this group of people and, and, and be accepted. And something's going to tempt you to, to have something apart from the will of God. And you well, I can just take that shortcut and I get there. And there, there are no shortcuts to God's will. Jesus will demonstrate that for us very clearly in Matthew's gospel. The path leads straight to the cross. And the path to the cross is full of pain suffering, torture, and death. And that path is a path that he, he treads for our benefit, not for his own, except that, except that the benefit for him is that he would have us as part of his family. But Jesus faced the temptations that we have faced. Hebrews says he was tempted in every way as we are. Can you believe it? Jesus was tempted with, with greed. Jesus was tempted with lust. Jesus was, was tempted with jealousy and envy. Jesus was tempted with all the things that we find ourselves tempted with, and yet he was without sin. And so when you lock on to Jesus' taillights, and you follow him, you know where you're going. When the storms of temptation hit your life, and they will, and they do, and that storm looks different at every season of life. When you're a young person, it looks different than when you're middle-aged, than when you're, when you're a senior adult, and then every step in between. Every stage, it looks and diff- it feels different, but it's there in every stage. And the key is to just keep your eyes on the taillights of Jesus and follow him through these temptations. Hold on to, to him in the midst of, uh, of the trials, those dark nights of the soul that you will have. When you're tempted to compromise, to, to shortcut, to, 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 you know, to be grandiose or whatever it is, when you, in those temptations that, that you can cling to Jesus. The other side of it is that we need to embrace the Word of God. I've been reading books, many of them, and specifically 
books about men's ministry. And it's funny, all these authors, they all say the same thing. Transformation happens for men when they get into the Word of God. Period. doesn't matter what program, what dime of the day they're meeting, but when men engage with the Word of God and with one another, things happen, things change. They move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. And Jesus sets the standard for us right here. He's facing these great temptations. I mean, he's starving. He could turn those stones into bread. He's like, no, God's got me here for a purpose and for this reason, and he'll take care of me. He could jump off the thing. God probably would save him, but that's not the point of it. God's going to elevate me and glorify me, but this is not the way that's going to happen. He's going to glorify me when I walk out of that empty tomb and people discover my grave clothes and say, what's going on here? Jesus is alive, right? And, and, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, these kingdoms will belong to me someday, but the path to to, to my kingly leadership of this world goes through the cross, through the empty tomb, and into heaven. I'm going to follow God's who are you following? The reality is, is that you're following someone. And I bring you back to Jesus. Matthew says, you know, I think you can trust Jesus. You can follow him. Look, he faced all these significant temptations at the deepest part of his soul, and he conquered. He was victorious. Will you be victorious? We're coming to the communion table here in a moment. We're going to celebrate communion. What? What do we, what, what do, we do it? We, we take a little piece of bread, we drink a little cup of juice. But what's significant about this is we're remembering Jesus Christ who died for our sins. We're remembering the one who obediently followed God's will right to the cross so that we can obediently follow God's will in our own lives. So that we can be forgiven, restored, brought back into a relationship with him, move up and out in new life in Jesus. We do this on a regular basis because we want to remember, to recalibrate, to just get our our hearts and our minds back on what really matters. Jesus is about to enter into a significant ministry here, Matthew chapter 5 and, and on. And we're going to read about his, his sermons. We're going to see his, tempta- you know, his, his miracles and, and the challenges that he faces. But the reality is, the very beginning of his ministry, he establishes himself as the perfect man who withstood temptation. They're like, can Jesus relate to me? Absolutely, Jesus can relate to you. Can Jesus understand the struggles I have? Jesus understands the struggles you have. And as a result, he is worthy of your trust. Worthy of your faith. Worthy of your worship. And we want to end our time this morning as a church family remembering the communion table remembering the death of christ if you are a follower of jesus you've confessed your sin you've accepted you've surrendered your life to jesus you've accepted his lordship in your life i i welcome you and invite you to join with us at the communion table if you are still here like i'm still checking this out i haven't got all the answers i haven't figured this all out or if you're not walking in the will of god don't come to the communion table with us just let it go by pass it by if you're playing the the i'm a christian sunday and i'm doing everything else monday to saturday then don't mock God out by taking communion, okay? This is serious. Christ died for you. And we don't want to just make fun of that by by taking communion and then living our lives as though God doesn't exist the rest of the week. This is for those who say, yeah, you know what? 24-7, I 
am a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to mess up. And the thing about communion is we come to him and say, Lord, this week I messed up. And, he sa- and I ask you for, for your forgiveness. And he says, and I forgive you. Take of my body and my blood. Yeah, we all messed up. Someone got angry here. Someone had a greedy moment. Someone was jealous. Someone had used substances to try to quell the, the, the pain in their life this week. I mean, we, we all did something. And we all come to the cross and to the communion table needing God's grace and we receive it. So I'm not asking for perfection here, but I'm saying that each of us in our day-to-day lives are saying, yeah, God, I'm, I'm doing my best. And I'm counting on you because you set a standard for me that I can follow. That the storms of temptation are all around me, but I, but I see you, you made it through and I'm going to make it through. So I'm clinging to you, Jesus. And that's what we're going to do as we celebrate communion here this morning. So as, as we prepare for communion, team, would you come up and uh, we're going to distribute the elements. We'll sing a song. And, you, and I just encourage you to use this time to prepare your own heart. Confess your sins. To come clean with God and to say, you know, to just reaffirm today your desire to walk in obedience with Him. To move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. The whole way that transformation happens here at New Life Community Church is through Jesus. It's not through a program. It's not through sermons. It's not through Bible studies. It's through Jesus. We have tools that point us to Jesus, but ultimately, this is the, the firm foundation of this church right here. Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. That's where it all starts, and we build off of that. And so every month, we come back to the table, and we just remind ourselves, this is what it's all about. So as the men come up to distribute the elements I just encourage you to use this time to prepare your hearts. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, today I invite you to become a believer and a follower of Jesus and take communion with us. Why wouldn't you want to follow this guy? There is no one like him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, perfect man, perfect God, together became the Savior for us, died on the cross and rose again. And that's what we this morning are going to celebrate. And so um, if you would just uh, take this moment to prepare your hearts and if the brothers that are going to distribute communion could come up and just sit in the front here and um, just going to remind you of Matthew chapter 26. This is the, the scripture as we prepare to distribute the elements here. Hear the word of God. This is the, near the end of Matthew's gospel, his report about the life of Jesus. He says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. After taking the cup and giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, the blood of the covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus says, I'm driving to the kingdom. And I'm inviting you to follow me. And I'm not going to eat of this again until we get there. But understand, if you follow me, this is where you're going to end up. And as you partake of communion today, we're, we're reminding ourselves, not only do we have salvation and forgiveness, but we have a destination. Jesus, we're following him. It doesn't end when I receive Christ. It begins. New life. And so I just encourage you to prepare your hearts and minds. We're going to distribute the elements. Just hold on to the cup and the bread, and then we'll partake together as a church family after everyone has received
Is there anyone? Is there anyone here that did not receive the elements? Would you please indicate by raising your hands so that we know everyone's received the opportunity to receive the elements? And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. Let's remember our Savior together. Thank you, Lord, for the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died in our place. We worship him this morning. Acknowledge that he alone is the Savior of the world. That he alone is the one perfect substitute for all sin. And we trust in him alone this morning as we partake of this bread. Thank you, Lord, for this cup, which represents the blood which was shed, the once and for all sacrifice for sins. That today we stand here forgiven because Christ's blood was shed on our behalf. And we remember that blood now. In Jesus' name. Amen. It says, He took the cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood, the blood of the covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let us remember our Savior together. stand with me as we close in prayer and benediction. Father in heaven, this week we will face temptations. We will have trials. There will be situations which will draw us away from you and we pray that through Jesus Christ, the power of your Holy Spirit, and the indwelling word of God that we will be strong to say no to sin to say yes to you and to your will. And so empower us, fill us, guide us and lead us. Make us stronger in you and stronger together as your church family. I pray your blessing upon each person here, every woman, every man, every child, every youth. Guide us, O Lord, in your paths for your glory and for your name's sake. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, God bless you. Have a great week.